All right, all right. Welcome back, everyone. Um, yeah, this is part two of a two-parter, and I've cut down the runtime significantly because, my God, who wants to sit through somebody talking for that long? Am I right? Uh, no, no. Uh, this is part two of an uh, interview I did with my buddy Braxton Simpson, also known as Doc Simpson, HM2, retired. And uh, the first uh, last week, what, two weeks ago, however often I put these things out, uh, two weeks ago, he talked about his kind of time in the military, the rough go he had of it, and now uh, this segment, we're going to uh, cover his process of getting out of the military and all that comes with it. I actually learned a lot as somebody who's still active duty and has not started that process of getting out yet, so yeah, let's just launch right into it. Here's part two with good old Braxton Simpson. He's back. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, here I am. I told him to come back, and I promised pizza, so here he is. It takes very little to entice me to your home, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and Braxton alike. Uh, thank you for thank you for joining us. Um, I uh, want to say uh, you wowed the world with your first episode and your trials and tribulations of the United States Navy, and they are calamiting for more. So uh, I hope you're ready to uh, do part two on the uh, saga that is Doc Braxton Simpson. Although I find all of that hard to believe. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm here for it. All right, cool. <laughs> you know, I'll give, I'll give all two people that enjoyed that what they want to hear all right before we dive into your insane life i uh i did want to say we are recording this on 420 it'll come out about a week later and it is ironically your birthday on 420 it is i turned uh 27 today so happy birthday to you and hitler um one in the same i feel but uh you know same birthday but we're actually talking about this before we started um some wild things have happened on 420 besides people just blazing it up because that's just what you do um, so Braxton, if you want to go ahead and run down the list of things that have happened on your birthday. <laughs> yeah. So I knew that there were some other, uh, issues mm-hmm, around, mm-hmm. uh, 420. So, you know, just running it back, some of the big ones, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we'll stick to the 19th, 1900s to modern. Yes. Please. Uh, in 1914 in Colorado, 19 men, women, and children participating in a strike were killed by the National Guard. In uh, Ludlow, Colorado. Okay, okay. Uh, 1945, Hitler killed himself on his 56th birthday. Oh, nice. So you know. so it was his death day as well. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. Let's see here. In 2000, oh, that's jumping. In <laughs> 1999, the Columbine Massacre happened. <laughs> it's all good stuff. <laughs> and then uh, 2007, there was a hostage situation that ended in the death of two people mm-hmm. in NASA at the Johnson Space Center here in Houston. Oh, okay. Uh, Danica Patrick in 2008, she won the Indy 300, becoming the first female driver in history to win. Nothing but tragedies. <laughs> <laughs> Followed up two years later by the Deepwater Horizon drilling rig exploding in the <laughs> Gulf of Mexico. And, uh, oh, in 2015, the UN compound in Somalia was bombed. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, you know, nothing but uh, positive things. Wow. You really know how to leave the world wanting to kill themselves. <laughs> hey, 
they're probably high already. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm probably just bringing them more close to sober, which but this, I guess is also awful. Yes, but this will also come out a week after 420, so. Oh, yeah, you're right. They're going to be stone sober here. Yeah. This. This well, if you're an avid smoker, you don't need a date to tell you when to smoke. So. Uh, that's fair. Just this is for the uh, once a year guys. These are the that's guys true. who show up to, you know, to mass only on Easter. <laughs> don't they <laughs> smoke weed only on 420. <laughs> don't, don't out me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so. We left. We left with you having not so great time in the Navy. Um, fast forward, and now we're going to get into you kind of getting out and transitioning to veteran, uh, and not so much active duty. And so, kind of, what was your first? So let's let's back it up. You've decided like that's it. I'm out because every every active duty person's like, I'll do four more. I'll do two more. I'll do forty more. You know what I mean? They have that fight. But you've decided I'm out. What do you do? All right. Well, you know, I think that everyone has to come to terms when when the show's finally ending. Mm-hmm. You know, all your experiences, good, bad, otherwise, it makes a lasting impression on you and your life, and you'll carry that with you forever, no matter how much everyone wants to say, didn't need it, hated it, whatever. Good, bad, or ugly, it's a lasting impression on your life. I uh, I had a little bit easier time leaving, because once I made the decision that I was getting out, mm-hmm. I still put in orders for such and everything, but you know, luckily the Navy helped me exit. Oh, okay. You know? I was in a pretty rough spot on my way out the door, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I think you know it was a busy year. You know, one three suffered a lot of uh, guys checking out. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a uh, it was a it was a long year, and so I don't know if I was fully committed to the path that I thought I was committed to. Mm. And so I still put in for orders and everything. And the orders that they finally offered me was the MLG battalion. They were standing up at Naval Hospital Portsmouth. Okay. You know, it's, you know, it's a new unit in Naval Medicine where I guess it's just dudes in Marpat (laughs) hanging out. And then if MLG needs them, then they actually go to Marine bases then and, you know, do MLG stuff. That's very interesting. So, would you I I assume that's an FMF billet yeah they get FMF pins for working at Naval Hospital Portsmouth at that MLG detachment very cool and they were standing (laughs) it up and you know there's a handful of people and uh, frankly I think it's the being raised my first duty station being Mm -hmm. at an infantry battalion there's no way in my heart of hearts that I could ever you know even though it was Eventually, come to find out. I don't know if you remember uh, HM2 Lima yeah. from Bravo Company. He is at that billet. Oh, okay. You know, I think he's at HM1 now, but okay. is he he's trying it? to do the MESET program and everything. You gotcha. know, he's it, is he loving it? Oh, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna speak on that for uh, any potential coworkers he has there. Sure, sure. You know, just know that uh, JP Lima, you're out there. Love you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough shoutouts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyways, you know, if I had gotten any infantry billet Mm -hmm. i think i would have broke you know i think we're all there where it's like you know it's like when the reality sets in that like this way of life is ending if i would have gotten i don't know if i would have had the strength to fucking step out Mm -hmm. if i had you know if i got like camp pendleton right right, right. if i you know hell even if i was going to lejeune maybe that would have been enough you know i mean it's for where the uh, real men go but it's fine whatever it's fine Yeah, yeah yeah um so, yeah, so you said you even put in for orders. Did you do a top three? What were your top three choices? 
So I put, you know, I even put 29 palms, like seventh reg. Jesus I was God. <laughs> I put literally any, you know, second class infantry FMF billet. Mm-hmm. And then my dude said it was like, best I got is this MLD detachment enforcement. <laughs> Take it or leave it. <laughs> best I can do is this weird thing that we just invented. Yeah. Well, I think it's because they needed people with FMF pins at the new unit to so teach that they FMF. Could, yeah, so they could <laughs> yeah. sign off on it because it's yeah. a brand new unit to stand up. They need people. That makes sense. You know, logistically speaking, to sign off on books. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, oh, you know, thanks. No thanks. And that was an mm-hmm. instance where one of the HM1s who's a career counselor was like, you can, you know, you can train the future generation. I was like, man, I don't even have a car. Right, right. You know, it's like, I'm giving secondhand stories from like my senior seniors mm-hmm. who learned how to do this in a live fire situation. I was like, all the real experience is gone. I don't mm. like when I look left, right, and center, and I'm like one of the older guy. Like you know, yeah, yeah. And I was like, because you know, that's I walked in the shadow of giants. You know, I just mm-hmm. never felt like I was uh, deserving of that kind of same. I get that position, but so you know, that kind of made it easier for me. So I decided to uh, ultimately leave the military. I decided that it was the right move for me at the time, mm-hmm. and you know, I didn't want to be in the area. So it all just kind of worked out to where it opened the door for me to leave. Okay. That being said, you know, TAPS was a unique experience. So what is, what is TAPS for those yeah, who don't that's, know? Uh, it's like the transition assistance program. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of ask to, you have to ask permission to do a program that's required to be done so you can then leave the military. Right. And then during that, it's like a week-long process, you know, where your 9 to 5 is replaced and you're in a classroom setting and they give you classes, they bring guest speakers in. Mm-hmm. And they try to, you know, they give you so much information that, you know, it's it's kind of overwhelming. It's hard to, you know, it's like any time where you know zero on the topic and mm-hmm. then it's like, hey, here's everything you need to know to make it goodbye. Mm. You know, it's very quick. And I don't know if there's a better way to do it just because it's like it's, you know, real life's trial by fire a lot of times. Yeah. You know, they try their best to prime you and give you everything you need to know. And, like, there is a lot of good information. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of good folks trying their best. You know, I don't want to disparage the system because I don't have a better alternative yeah. than what's, you know, in place. Um, but ultimately, out of everything that was in the books, you know, this might be a reflection of myself. It's like I've never gone back in them. Mm. You know, I feel like it's just once the train starts rolling, Mm-hmm. For you to leave, everything just starts kind of picking up speed, right? Because like the reality, everything sets in. You know, you start got to find a place to live, and mm-hmm. like you know how things go. Uh, you know, just yeah. So did you <laughs> trying to think? <laughs> no, no, you're good. Um, yeah. you did say you visited a witch in Chicago or something. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, that reminds. All right, so I got out of the military. Yeah. In March. I went home, and the first thing I did, within a week, uh, a former family member who had been divorced out of the family, Mm -hmm. I myself am a little bit of the black sheep, Um, obviously, one of the best things I ever heard is describing the military is no one's there unless they need a ticket out of town, some money in their pocket, or a bit of both. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, you know, almost everybody there, I didn't have a lot that I was going back home to. Right. Struggling to find a place to live. One of my childhood, you know, friends, uh, he had a spare bedroom. I stayed with him for a little bit. And I immediately went to work 
60 hours a week doing uh doing contracting like general construction inside houses Mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of the backwoods in the midwest so you know you know just went right to work started learning how to do plumbing and you know electrical stuff like it was a you know it was a lot of fast fast and dirty you yeah, know, yeah get to work bitch like yeah. you know and that's i needed money and i needed indiana to stay. vibes absolutely yeah. yeah so i went right back into work and then you know i lived like that for a couple months you know just working doing my best mm-hmm. but uh some and guys from one three well i was, well, I was gonna yeah. say sorry but i was gonna say how was that lifestyle just leaving you know the fast pace of the military and then going right back into those grassroots of indiana of like manual labor every single day like nine to five how'd that feel uh well blue side made me soft okay you know okay. i'll say that well you know it's like it's different lifestyle you know green side i was still working out like i still hit sure. the gym and yeah. stuff but like it's different for when you also have manual labor as your nine to five. So like, right, I feel right. like the infantry is more in line with like, you know, just moving the weapons, moving the equipment, moving mm-hmm. your body. Like that's a certain level of like use fitness versus, you know, sitting in an office right. doing patient exams. So it's like my body got a little soft in between that. I'm still going to the gym, mm-hmm. but I, you know, the work muscles are very different than, you know, gym muscles. To, to quote our good buddy Esco, yeah. I'd rather have farm strength than lifting strength any day of the week. He's absolutely right for that. Yeah. And, you know, that's another thing is like my aunt and uncle, they have a farm. Mm-hmm. So I would like help on the farm, bale hay, mm-hmm. help with the hogs, all that stuff. Um, you know, I just I think it was good. It helped me kind of not numb, but kind of detach from the reality because, you know, I was working keeps you busy. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any real plan other than I was going to go to college in the fall. Right, right. And, uh, you know, then Memorial Day came around. One of our buddies from. One three, mm-hmm. uh, you know my buddy Tomich. He every year organizes in up near Chicago, where he's he's a cop up around that area, mm-hmm. and he organizes it. You know all the Midwest guys they come together and they do like a Memorial Day ruck. You know yeah, they'll yeah. you know walk however many miles. So I went up there, and uh, <laughs> my first team lead in cat, mm-hmm. he he's an electrician up there. You know. Good old Mike, he, his new girlfriend, well, I just shouldn't say new, the girlfriend that he has now that he's been with for quite a while, mm-hmm. she is a self-described practicing witch. Oh, okay. And she, you know, she's nice girl, you know, good people. <laughs> Most witches are, yeah. Yeah. Um, after the Memorial Day ruck, obviously, we went to, uh, you know, Jared's family's place and we got fucking hammered. Of course, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) and so then after a day of drinking, we all end up back at, you know, Mike's place, and uh, she's like, oh, you know, now she's had a little bit of drink, so she feels... So her powers are activated. Yeah, (laughs) you know, she's feeling more, like, I guess, open to, like, talk to, you know, because we were all staying at Mike's, everybody who came in, you know, we were all staying at Mike's, there's, like, three or four of us, Mm -hmm. you know, and so she's, like, a little more comfortable now, there's a house full of, like, Marines and corpsmen, and so she's like, look, you know, I don't usually say this, but I'm a witch. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God, that's heresy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But let me see. <laughs> you know, that's my, crazy. Unless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's all bullshit. JK, unless. Let me see. <laughs> so, you know, she gets out her tarot cards mm. and, you know, she gets out this like pendulum thing Ooh. that swings. Okay. Like left and right. And, you know, yeah. I was like, oh, this is all bullshit. But, <laughs> you know, let me pick a card. <laughs> So there we are. We're hammered. We're in his house. And, you know, she's not really 
she's had like maybe a beer. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, Witches don't drink. This is common. <laughs> it's common I don't knowledge. Know. She had like, she had like social anxiety gone. Yeah. Alcohol, but not like, I'm drunk. Mm. You know. Okay. She like she was chatty, but like you know the rest of us were fucking gone. Just enough to admit she's a witch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just Fair enough enough. to like open up about some private, you know, like, you know, you're usually not like, oh, you know what? I'm a Protestant or um, whatever after like until like your second or third drink. That's like, it's like four Red Bull and vodkas for me. And before I'm like, I'm a warlock. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll cast a spell on you. (laughs) So it was wild. You know, I'd never even seen uh, a deck of tarot cards or Mm -hmm. whatever. And so then she's like, she gave us the rundown. She spreads them all out. She's like, hey, just, you know. Hover your hand back and forth twice, like over, left, right, left, right. Mm-hmm. And then wherever you feel compelled, stop, lower your hand, pick up the card, and hand it to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I picked up death. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Hell yeah. And I was like, motherfucker. Hell yeah. <laughs> Dude. Fuck yeah. What a death was just a skull? No, so it was like the fucking pale horseman. Oh, on, shit. Yeah, it was like death, death. Some like artwork went into it. And so she said... That if it was upside, I can't remember. I think it was upside down, but the upside down one is supposedly positive. Okay. Because it's like, you know, like rebirth. Like, I guess if it's right side up, it's exactly what it says. Yeah. If it's upside down, it's like the inverse meaning. Yeah. So, like, death is in, like, reborn, new beginnings, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, all right. And then I guess there's, like, another version where they shuffle it up and they deal you three. Okay. She shuffled it up and dealt me three. And I got, like, death. (laughs) four out of five times <laughs> she felt uncomfortable reading it to me so she's like i'm gonna reshuffle it yeah, yeah. and do it again oh, and no. i got death every single fucking time she dealt interesting do you think she just had a death hand like that yeah. was just all death cards yeah was it sleight of hand yeah, i don't yeah. know yeah all i know is that there i was was she a good witch or a bad witch you know i thought she was a nice lady so i'm <laughs> i'm inclined to believe that my homie is dating a good witch that's good it was good you know, I, that's good vibes i, I like that you know, she was very polite to me, and she makes Mike very happy, so that's good enough and for me. And that's all that matters. I yeah. like that. So, this uh, self-proclaimed witch has uh, had you draw death on separate occasions, uh, to the point you say yeah. she felt uncomfortable reading it to you, but when she did decide to describe what it meant, what did she say? So, there were three cards in front of me. It was like, I remember, I don't remember what number of cups it was, death, and then it was... Uh, I think it was like King of Swords or something like that. Okay. And like, she was like, yeah, you know, she's like, you're going through like a, a rough restart of your time. You know, mm. there are, you know, male figures in your life that are, I guess, negative or something like that. <laughs> and then I do not remember what the cups meant. Yeah. I wrote it down like the next day. You know, I keep a journal. It's one of the things I try to do to keep my, my head on straight. I, I, I approve of that. I actually like that. Yeah. You know, so I mean. Don't have it with me. I, at the end of every year, I tuck it away. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe thirty years from now, I'll look back on it. But <laughs> I detailed it because it. I was like, "What the fuck yeah, is yeah. all this?" But you know, like we had never spoke. You know, she had no conversation. All she knew is that I was, you know, the doc for her boyfriend once right, upon right. a time. Right. So it was wild. Yeah, you know, that was like it was a very interesting experience. Then I, you know, I went back. And I was getting ready to set up for school, and uh, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my family members were not super supportive of the mm-hmm. school route. But you know, that's kind of classic sure. yeah, Midwest. Yeah. You know, they're like everything you could ever need, 
It's like right here, and yeah. I think that they were. It was all good intention. I don't of think course, that, yeah, you know, it usually is. Yeah. I don't think anybody was like maliciously being like, "Oh no, you ain't gonna make it." Yeah, yeah. But you know, obviously, at you know, twenty six at the time, I was a very different person mm-hmm. than when I left home the second time at eighteen. You know, like it. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of factors going on. You know, like I still have a very strained relationship with my own parents, so I was staying with like you know, my buddy. So like, you know, I didn't even see the few family members that I have like positive relationships with. So like there was a lot going on and ultimately home was difficult to maintain. I was bouncing through jobs. I did a lot of different construction jobs working Mm -hmm. for a bunch of different people. And then ultimately I did not end up pursuing college in fall. Um, you know, it just one thing after another came up and you know, I was getting not pressure, well, I mean, I guess it was pressure, kind of mm-hmm. not. They were worried that, you know, I was going to self-destruct or it wasn't going to work out and that couldn't handle. I think, you know, they were just worried, but ultimately it was kind of dying slowly. Yeah. You know, back home. It was a uh, it was rough, you know, going from having a job, working 60, you know, working, you know, your normal nine to five, you're working 40 hours a week, you have a good pay. Yeah. And then it's like restarting completely. And, you know, I think a lot of, you know, people medical wise, you know, they can get it like there's no real civilian translation unless you get like your EMT license while you're in and then maintain it every two years throughout your the entirety of your career Yeah. on top of your normal, you know, jobs. Uh, I started working for a diesel shop towards the end. <laughs> nice. You know, I was <laughs> I really. So I did construction. And in construction, I learned how to do, you know, basic plumbing, basic electrical stuff, you know, drywall, tiling, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And then at towards the winter, because in the winter in Indiana, it gets pretty bad. Most yep. people don't work construction year round because they get laid off because mm-hmm. it all slows down during the winter. So, you know, I found a job at a diesel place. And uh, ultimately, I was like, hey, this isn't. You know, whatever I'm doing right now, it's not sustainable. Like, I'm not happy with the life, my the way that my life is going, and I don't think it's uh, sustainable, which is how I ended up in Houston, you know? Mm-hmm. I had three or four friends, you know, you were one. Goddamn right. Yeah, you know, my buddy Dallas, another, like, multiple people were like, hey, man, you know, we do not think that you are really thriving, you know? There's a handful of people trying to toss me the uh, the rescue ring. Yeah. You know, and uh, Texas at the time seemed like it'd be the the lead. You know, I thought Texas oh, was probably good for veterans. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you and that's how I got into the University of Houston, mm-hmm. set up down here. And then by December, you know, I spent like maybe six months in Indiana and I was already on the road, you yeah. know, because frankly, the only people like I had my one childhood friend and then, you know, from the circus. Uh, Peru, Indiana has a circus, circus capital of the world. Yep. I was in the circus as a kid. Uh, some of my old, you know, the old people I used to perform with in the circus, they are, you know, they still stick around. Some of them were in college. Some of them were, you know, they had jobs. So it was mm-hmm. like, I kind of had like a little bit of support network from my time in the circus, but mm-hmm. ultimately like I wasn't able to really grow as a person and I was not really progressing forward. Mm-hmm. I knew I needed to make a drastic change to uh, try and fix that. And then, you know, six months later, here I am, 
<laughs> and Houston. Glorious Houston. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about some other stuff. Uh, obviously, at this point in the story, you're attending University of Houston and stuff. Yeah. Um, what about another factor of getting out? Uh, you talk about you went to TAPS class, and how did you start filing for like school and disability and all that stuff? Dealing with the VA, which is always a hot-button topic oh. for everybody. So yeah. what was what's uh, kind of been your experience? So use of the VA has gone... I would say middling at best. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just to get like a regular exam once I was admitted into the VA system. It took like a month, which, you know, isn't crazy. No. I wasn't hurting or anything, but, you know, it's, uh, the system is interesting, but I mean, any system that's administrated by the government yeah. is, yeah. you know, unlikely to be, you know, in my opinion, top tier hey that's fair you know, anytime they stick their fingers in something it usually gets worse yeah that's true um however when i got out uh they told me the day that you get out you need to well before you get out you need to file the intent mm. to file like you need to submit the paperwork to do an intent to file and then from that date within like your year out or whatever you get paid back to that date um there's a window that you can file before you get out mm-hmm. but if you miss that window then you have to start the filing from when you get out when I got out, I went home to Miami County in Indiana, and I went to our like veterans in the courthouse on the second story. Um, there's a representative, and everyone, every old vet, young vet, every person I bumped into said that he was the fucking man, you know, which is a rare thing. I guess he's a retired Air Force colonel. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he was one of the guys, and he had been doing that job for a long time. Okay. Hell yeah. I went there. I gave my paperwork. He asked what I did, introduced himself. My grandmother, it's a small town. She knew him. They went to school together. You know, um, he gave me his business card. And then he works in conjunction with the American Legion, Mm -hmm. um, which I guess is not, I guess that's not, it'll vary from state to state depending on their involvement if they work with other locals. But in Miami County, Indiana, he has a connection to the local chapter of the American Legion. Okay. And I signed a disclosure form or some sort of form that enabled them to file on my behalf. Mm. They knocked it out of the park. Nice. You know, I honestly, after that first meeting with Jay, like I signed everything and he's like, Hey man, they're going to take care of everything. You know, just show up to the appointments they schedule. Mm -hmm. And cause you know, I, he's like, just give me the rundown of the injuries you think you might need. And then I gave it to him. You know, we went through my medical record right then and there in his office. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from there on, like, the American Legion took care of all my stuff. They're like, hey, man, here's your appointment. Go. That's that's awesome. I mean, most people I talk to, it's always a horror story trying to get that stuff done. And so it sounds like the American Legion really hooked you up. Um, Would you uh, (laughs) say you returned them? (laughs) Returned the favor? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I omitted this part from the story, but I told Mike before we went on. You have to. Yeah. Warts and all. They, uh, yeah. All right. So <laughs> they're willing to do all of this for you. You as the veteran, they're willing to take care of you, hold your hand, and gently guide you through the storm that is right. the government medical system. But? But the only thing that they ask in return <laughs> is not that you even join the organization, mm-hmm. but that you consider joining their ranks. That okay. is the only thing they ask is that you give them consideration. Mm-hmm. And the selfish bastard that I am, 
I have considered, and I have not, you know, put my money where my mouth is. Well, I will say, in your defense, all they ask is that you considered. So I'm sure in your own way, your own Braxton way, you told them, you know what? Thanks for the opportunity. It's not for me. I'm sure you did that, right? (laughs) (laughs) I I have never met a physical representative. (laughs) It's our, you know, unless Jay is one. I assume so. Which he might be. There's a good chance he is one. You know, I have never met a flesh and blood in person. I've only dealt with them through paperwork. Mm hmm. And honestly, the organization has been nothing but kind to me. Okay. So, you know, I'm probably the asshole in this one. All right. But, you know, shout out to them. I just <laughs> I just wanted you to say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you have a uh, you have an organization that helps you out, file for your disability. You seemed happy with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, you're starting to use your GI Bill. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, so this is a, an important caveat. Mm-hmm. Um, so the American Legion... I think the VFW also has a similar program. Oh, okay. But um, one important thing to say for those listening who are about to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, you know, I went to 1-3. I went straight to snipers, and then I went to line infantry after that. Like, you know, everything that I did. There was another guy. We went to core school together. We went to field med together. Mm-hmm. We screened for snipers together. Every step of the way, we were side by side. Mm-hmm. We have almost identical injuries. You know, the same aches, complaints, whatever. Mm-hmm. I went home to small town, Miami County, Indiana. And, you know, there I had a lot more, probably a lot more one-on-one attention, first off. Mm-hmm. But secondly, a lot of these, excuse me, a lot of these exams are conducted by private community practitioners. The lady that I went to, she had a son who was also... 26 and Mm -hmm. she when she listened my bones she was like you sound like a 60 year old man (laughs) you know like you know she wasn't meaning to be sure but you know ultimately the providers are the ones who are giving the recommendations for the va to validate or invalidate Mm -hmm. your claims so going to a small town i had a lot more personal one-on-one experience Mm -hmm. almost every single time i had an interview and it was in-depth and people they're fellow hoosiers i mean hoosiers are nice people they're very we're very fat but we're nice yeah and you know being a fellow hoosier you know they really looked after me my buddy who like i said side by side with me the entire career we both ended up at hospitals our second duty station he worked in staff ed training i ended up getting you know full disclosure i ended up getting like 70 percent you know i think that i was vastly overvalued Mm. but at the same time i don't think anyone should look a gift horse in the mouth yeah yeah. My buddy walked side by side with me, virtually the same list of injuries. He did his in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. and he got 40%. Um, the way it's explained to me is that each state has a pool of money. Mm-hmm. And depending on how many veterans live there, you know, how many injuries and blah, blah, blah. There's like a formula over how much money each state gets to divvy yeah. up. So the providers are not leaned on. But, you know, they're a lot more, I guess, they're a lot more close-handed in big cities, and they're mm-hmm. a lot more open-handed in smaller towns. There's another friend that we have who also was in snipers after the fact. You know, same thing. He was a corpsman. He was in snipers. Then he went to a hospital, and he finished it up. He did his in Vancouver, which is the sister city to Portland, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right? His first go-through, he got 30%. Mm. He petitioned. And said, hey, I don't think this was an accurate evaluation. 
they came back to him and dropped him to 20%. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? So then he moved mm-hmm. to Idaho. Yeah. And he petitioned again. And now he's receiving 80%. Jesus Christ. So, you know, I don't have any hard and fast evidence. Sure. It's just all of the people that I know that went to big cities and big population centers, they've gotten, you know, consistently low ratings. And then everyone who went to, like, smaller towns, more, more, you know, conservative areas, sure, you, know, yeah, you yeah. know, that's just how it is. Big cities are always, you know, lean a certain way. Small towns always lean a certain way. It's true. And so, you know, I found people that go to smaller towns and more red-leaning states, they have consistently had higher ratings and higher percentages mm-hmm. than people who, you know, are fighting in the big city centers, you know, to try to get their uh, compensation. And, you know, for me, it was a big pride thing to finally, I didn't want to take, I didn't want to take the money at all. Yeah. Then one of my buddies came up to me and he said, hey, man, are you a fucking idiot? And I was like, yeah. no, man, like, what are you talking about? He's <laughs> Why, like, yes, I am, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, he's like, then go follow your paperwork. And I was like, I'm not disabled. I was like, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, you're not disabled now. He's like, 40 years from now, you'll feel like shit. Yeah. He's like, also, the whole system's designed to make you feel embarrassed to take the money. <laughs> so the actual, when you actually go to get your VA exams, they're mm-hmm. called compensation and pension exams. But, you know, the slang for it is disability. Yep. Because it hurts to say, I collect disability. Mm-hmm. Compensation and pension, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying you're being compensated yeah. for damages done to your physical person. Yeah. What's the, you always use the shiny penny analogy? Oh, yeah. So, you know, and like this is kind of what clicked it from my head. It's like, you know, we are brand new, freshly minted shiny pennies at 18. You know, for me, it was 26. For you, it would be probably like 38, 40. Yeah. You know. Think about how gross that penny looks, you know, how dingy, how dirty, you know, it's like the most filthy piece of change you've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's in rough shape. You know, that penny is in rough shape. It is fundamentally changed and it will never be the same. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so basically you are compensating someone for damages done to Mm -hmm. them throughout their service because, you know, no one gets out completely unscathed. It's true. You know, whether, you know, it's a true... Like, if you just got one bum knee, you know, bless you. Like, that's what, you know, I felt like I was very lucky to come out with no, you know, I don't even think that I had very many bodily injuries. I don't think I really have anything, but, you know, they're like, well, when you're 60, yeah. you'll probably feel otherwise. No, I think that's a big, um, yeah, yeah you, I mean, you speak about the pride. Obviously, the military has its, like, uh, pockets of different people and different jobs and organizations and stuff. And a lot of people, whether, you know, you do 20 years operational with infantry, you know, rucking and running your entire career till your body's dust, or you do, you know, three years, you know, in the Air Force, you know, sitting behind a desk, obviously fundamentally different jobs, but there are stressors that come with those jobs. And no, no one is better than the other. Obviously, some are, they're different. So there was a thing when I worked in special operations, uh, they hate the word special. That's that term's thrown around so much. Yeah, specials um, in like uh Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but they they really reinforce like don't think of special as better, think of it as different. Everything's different. Nothing's better than the other. Exactly. <laughs> so um yeah, no, like you said, like obviously people earn more throughout their time in service for different things, but I hate the idea of people thinking like, oh, you didn't do anything. That's nonsense. You know what I mean? You r- rose your hand and said, I will defend the United States of America against enemies foreign domestic. That's something. 
So the stressors that come along with that, I think people should be compensated for that. But yeah, that's just me. I'm I'm an old guy who's still in. So yeah, well, you know, it took me it took me a minute. You know, I still went through the motions, even though I didn't necessarily agree with it. But now that I'm looking back on it, like mm-hmm. you know, I am so, you know, beyond grateful that I had good people in my circle that were like, "Hey, man, just swallow your pride, put your paperwork in, and just see what they give you." Yeah. You know, if you feel it's unfair, you can petition or whatever. If you're okay with it, you can just walk away. You know, it's like, you know, I am beyond grateful for what they gave me, and mm-hmm. I, you know, a lot of times I don't feel like I deserved it, but you know, obviously the provider like the because it was a doctor who did it so obviously she felt that Mm -hmm. you know that was an appropriate doling out of the resources you know so you know it's it's hit or miss everybody's gonna have a different experience let's take it or leave it i can appreciate that all right so we've covered your time uh in the circus all the way to now (laughs) well we go for no i I just wanted (laughs) i just you made me mention the circus so i already feel sick um i love it yeah yeah uh, so pretty much, uh, pretty much as we wind down the journey of, uh, Doc Simpson here, what is something, so obviously as of right now, where is Braxton Simpson in his journey? Like what's next? What's he doing? What's helped you? What's some advice you can give to people who are, can find themselves in the same spot you were maybe two years ago? So right now the game plan is I am actively, well, actually just yesterday I got my acceptance letter. From Idaho State University. Hey. Uh, when I transferred in to UH, I had some credits from the military. Mm-hmm. And I also had a few night classes that I had taken. At the time, I was pretty burnt out with the medical field. So mm-hmm. I had switched to you know criminal justice. And I was like, oh, I'm going to you know, be a cop or whatever. And I got out. And I was like, I don't want to fucking be a cop. I was just kind of, I was just fed up with what I was doing. You know, I was so burnt out. Yeah. You know, especially with COVID and everything. I was like, oh, man, I'd never want to work in a medical facility ever again in my life. Mm -hmm. Now, looking back, I'm like, oh, that was kind of dumb. Yeah. You know, I would like to go back and do medicine again someday. When I transferred down to Houston, I had the understanding that I'd be able to eventually transfer into a biology program. Mm -hmm. But since bulk of my credits had been started in the criminal justice program, the way this particular university is set up mm-hmm. in order to, you know, transfer, you have to meet a set of requirements. Not every school is like that. And I had not had enough college uh, to know any different. And, you know, I'm one of the I'm pretty bad about asking for help. You I, know, I, amen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, there's plenty of guys in my circle that have been in school for a while. You know, they probably could have helped me out, but. I'm all I'm pretty determined to do it all my own way and that also unfortunately comes with making a lot of mistakes. Yeah. You know. So I found out that technically it is true that I could, you know, reach my goals here and transfer, but I got admitted onto my third choice major. Mm-hmm. And so to meet the requirements to transfer to biology so I can focus on medicine again, uh I would have to take multiple classes that are not on my degree plan, so I'd have to ask the VA for leniency mm-hmm. by taking off-plan classes and such so it's easier just to uh uproot the whole project <laughs> and uh <laughs> move to another school hey idaho let's go yeah well you know there's there's a, another guy from one three that mm-hmm. i'm pretty close with you know he's got a house out there he's like hey man you know just move in let's go he's going to school <laughs> out there you know i know this feel <laughs> yeah he's a little bit more uh receptive to the idea than it's not that i'm not receptive to the idea i just every time i invite someone to live with me uh 
or even crash you get with me. caught with your sin stick. I literally <laughs> get caught with my sin stick, number one. Number two, I just, yeah, it just furthers the point that, like, I really am a recluse. Like, I need, I need to be alone. I need to sit on my floor face down in the dark, like, just naked <laughs> and just stare into nothing. You know what I mean? I need that for myself, and I love that for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so <laughs> I see you tapping it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't intentional. Oh, I, was I, was like, just, <laughs> I was zoned out for a second. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's that's just a me thing, and I'm working on that every day. Um, so, Amen. yeah, so you're leaving Houston, going to Idaho. We will miss you here in Houston. Did you did you enjoy your stay while you were here? Um, <laughs> I think that one thing that I've learned about myself from traveling, mm-hmm. you know, traveling all these years is uh, now that I'm kind of rowdying on down, you know, I'm not trying to go out to the club every single night. Sure. Yeah, things yeah. like that. Uh, I think the small town, you know, I think that's just the classic plight of everyone is like, you know, country living and small towns. It's like you fucking hate it when you're, you know, 18, 19. You're like, oh, right, I'm yeah. leaving. I'm never fucking coming back. And then now that I'm 27, it's like Idaho State's in a town of like 50,000. It's like the size of Kokomo. Yeah. And then there's beautiful nature reserves on all sides. It's like, you know, I could be in the mountains in like 15 minutes over there mm-hmm. versus here. Uh, in 15 minutes, I might be two blocks away from my <laughs> fucking apartment. It do be a wild city here in, here in Houston. Houston is an interesting place. Yeah. And I don't think it's any uh, vindictiveness towards Houston itself. I just oh, okay. think that I myself uh, am not a big city person. And that's yeah. another, you know... I was just so desperate to make a change yeah. in, you know, Indiana that I uh, I jumped on the first opportunity that looked good. But, I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes that's what it's all about. It's like seeing that the situation is no longer sustainable and then being decisive about it. Yes, 100%. And, you know, that's why I'm going to Idaho. It's like I realize yeah. that this is unsustainable. You know, even if I can take all the classes that are off degree plan, mm-hmm. it would still delay my ultimate progress and growth for a year. And that's, you know, not acceptable. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, I saw another opening. I went this time. I flew out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I went to the <laughs> campus. This is one thing that I would suggest is uh, don't read shit on the internet and yeah. don't see flyers and talk to people through email. You know, I'm I'm kind of old fashioned like that. It's like when I went there, I had one on one meetings with every single person from mm-hmm. every single department, and the head of the Veterans Affairs of Idaho State shook my hand on the day that I came there. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it was all very personal. You know. It was that small town, like individual, you know, that that kind of relationship building that goes a long way and makes you feel more at home. Yeah. And, you know, I unfortunately, I just didn't quite feel the same here. But, you know, I don't think that that's ultimately I think it was a growing experience. Hey, you, sometimes you got to try every popsicle before you decide you don't like popsicles. So, yeah, I well, get that. my buddy in Idaho said this. And, you know, I think it's probably the most astute thing he's ever said Ooh. to me. Well, I know who you're talking about, so I need to hear this. Yeah, he said, <laughs> you know, he said, you know, you went back home because you thought that's what you wanted. You know, I think I think the home, when I picture, you know, my kind of Indiana is like, it's better in my thoughts than it ever will be in person. Yeah, Because, absolutely. you know, if it was so phenomenal, I don't think I ever would have left. But unfortunately, right, right. just like, you know, my personal circumstances and, you know, my lack of a means to live, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, so in order to go forward, I have to go back, but a different direction. Mm. So, you know, going to Idaho, it puts me back in that small town living setup. That's type of 
situation that I'm a little bit more comfortable in mm-hmm. leaves me closer to nature and things that I like. And it's still a big enough city where I can get a little bit. But, you know, I can still grow forward while simultaneously growing back mm-hmm. versus, you know, the nearest college campus is like a 30, 40 minute drive. Yeah. You know, so it's like I'm going back, but going forward at the same I time. I appreciate that. So you can move front, back, side to side, which yeah. makes you the queen. Boom. Oh, chest yeah. reference. All right. Boom. I'm wrapping this up. I'm getting tired. <laughs> workout of the day. Fuck. Number one. Yeah. Yeah. I asked him <laughs> to do a workout of the day because uh, people were missing it. So this is yeah. Braxton Simpson's workout of the day. What do you got for the people? All right. So uh, you guys are all CrossFit guys, huh? <laughs> they're yeah. all different human beings yeah, from different well, walks of life. They follow yeah. you, so. <laughs> <laughs> so they're blind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So today, you know, I hit, I'll just say it, I hit chest today. Okay. I did, uh, I did dumbbell bench press to open it up. Did 12, 8, 6, 4, 4, 4, okay. 8. Uh, at my bottom for the fours, I did. You know, 95-pound dumbbells. I was pretty impressed with that's myself. I was about to say, yeah, you're not a huge guy. So yeah, that's, I was pretty uh, that's tickled. Impressive. Yeah, yeah, as and you should be. I'm good. tickled, yeah. Yeah, then I did uh, four sets of 12 mm-hmm. on the incline with some more dumbbells. You know, I think I used like 55. Okay. You know, something just to get good tension. Then I did another four sets of 12 on uh, dumbbell flies. And, you know, then I was running a little bit late, had to get a class. Mm-hmm. So I just did like 10 minutes of walking on the treadmill, called it a day, showered, went to math class. So Easy day. All right. Yeah. You got it. There's, Not too difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. Doc says, when you're feeling down, get your chest pumped up. All right. Well, bro, I do appreciate it. You know, I love you, and I wish you well in all your future endeavors. Anytime you want to come back to Houston, find another place to stay, because I like living alone. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? Uh, thank you for having me on. You yeah. know, it's always a pleasure to... Uh, Hang out with you for a of little course, bit, yeah. you know, eat some pizza, yeah. watch some donkey. <laughs> Let's watch some video game donkey after this. Yeah, sounds good. All right, bro. Appreciate it. And everybody, thanks for listening and stand by for more. <laughs>